Speaking of good dudes, and we weren't, but we are now. I'm a big fan of Aaron Donald. I told you a couple days ago, he was in a great bargaining position. He wasn't in a good bargaining position. He was in a great bargaining position. Why? Because it legitimately seemed like Aaron Donald could walk away. He had just won the Super Bowl. He's not exactly 22 years old. He's made a ton of money. His legacy is intact. He's walking into the Hall of Famer the second he's eligible. And guess what? He's got a great family and seems to love them all. So, you know, why not? I, I don't have the answer to that. Why, why, why wouldn't Aaron Donald be in a great position? Uh, he was, he is, and guess what? It worked out for $40 more million in Aaron Donald's pocket. He extended his contract or worked out his contract. That's probably the better way. He worked out his contract $94 million over three years. Now, I want you to think about that real quick. 94 or 95, I shorted him a mill. $95 million over three years. He got himself a $40 million raise. And I got to tell you, those guys in the NFL are printing money. They are printing money. And if anybody in the NFL deserves to get paid, Aaron Donald deserves to get paid. A $40 million raise, a hell of a day. That's a heck of a day, as Jimmy Valvano used to say, right? I mean, that's a heck of a day. I mean, think about it. You wake up, you got a great life. Your agent's like, I think we're going to get something done today. He comes back to you. He goes, look, three-year, 40 more mil than what we thought, 96 mil. You got to work like a madman to get ready. You take a physical beating 17 weeks of the year. I get all that, but that ain't a bad day, ladies and gentlemen. That ain't a bad day at all. And I got to tell you, for Dustin Johnson and for – the rest of the guys going to the Saudi tour, when you look at it strictly financial, it's a pretty damn good day. I mean, look, we all want to get all upset, right, when we see players contract, and maybe rightfully so. You know, a lot of people feel like, hey, why do so many people need that much money when there's so many people that have nothing? I don't have the answer for that. The only thing that I have is, hey, look, it's America. It's about all I got. But if I were going to list the guys across the board that deserve, not from a marketing standpoint, not from a, hey, you know, the team needs a quarterback standpoint. I'm just saying the guys that I've seen play NFL football, how good they are, how important they are to their team on and off the field, what kind of representative they are, what they seem like, because I don't know these guys. I'll tell you this, i put Aaron Donald at the top. You know, I know Lamar Jackson's going through a contract negotiation. I'd put Lamar Jackson at the top, too, because I think Lamar Jackson's a dynamic franchise, going to be Super Bowl-winning quarterback. But I wouldn't put all these guys at the top. I mean, I wouldn't put Deshaun Watson at the top, and he is the top. I wouldn't put Deshaun Watson at the top, and I know I'm wrong about this, but I wouldn't have put Deshaun Watson at the top even before these allegations. I watched a guy go 4-12. and 12. I watched a guy fumble on the goal line against the Colts. I watched all that. I mean, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson a bad player, but I'm saying I'm not giving Deshaun Watson $230 million. And let me ask you a question. And this is a legitimate question. What do you do now with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? 
See, here's the thing. When Deshaun Watson came from Houston to Cleveland, I swear to you, it felt like the Cleveland Browns had decided this is over. Get him out of Cleveland, and this is absolutely over. We're good. He's, uh, I'm sorry, get him out of Texas, get him out of Houston, and we're good. Get him out of this space where all this is going on. Do this. Remember when you were a kid? At least I used to do this. If you closed your eyes and put your covers over your head, everything went away. And that's what I feel like Cleveland did here. They closed their eyes and hoped it went away. Because here's the deal. When they signed to Sean Watson, I told you a couple things. One of which was, damn, Cleveland must have known something behind the scenes to make this deal so confidently. They must have known that one of, I don't know, two or three things was going to happen. One, maybe they knew that the women were going to drop all these. Two, maybe they knew that, well, Watson was going to pay him off. Three, maybe they knew that the NFL was okay with these. I don't know. But it had to, didn't it? I mean, give me a fourth. I'll go to Twitter or I'll go to the YouTube chat and you guys tell me what a fourth would be. So now the question is right there on the screen. What the hell do you do with Deshaun Watson? Like, do you just trot him out there? Do you just, I guess you do. I, I guess you do. I guess, um, I don't know. I guess you just keep your eyes closed. Here's the other thing, and I've said this forever. I have a tendency. I call it, see this big nose right here? Where is it right now? It's a big old schnoz. I call it looking beyond your nose. And people don't understand it. And a lot of times, a lot of times, um, people get mad at me for it. But I'm going to go back to something that we talked about here and tell me what you think. And the reason this is being brought up, if you don't know, that number one, this isn't going away. Number two, nobody's been paid off. And number three, most importantly, a 24th victim has alleged sexual misconduct by Deshaun Watson as a masseuse. So it didn't go less. It went more. It went from 22 now to 24. And I don't know if you noticed, but victims have spoken up on HBO And the reason these last two, from 22 to 24, have stepped up is because of that interview. So now, I go back to something that I discussed. Baker Mayfield. What the hell you do with Baker Mayfield? And if you're Baker Mayfield, OTAs are starting mandatory. You better be there. Like, I don't care if they kick you out. But if I'm Baker Mayfield's agent and Baker Mayfield has a brain in his head, which I got to tell you, he has not shown over the last six months. But if Baker Mayfield wants to get back into the league, he's got to do what I've been saying on this show for the last six months. He's got to show up to work. There is no way, at least the way I look at it. Now, the way I look at it doesn't necessarily make it right, but I bet you this is the way you all are looking at it. There is no way that if this continues, even if Deshaun Watson pays these folks off and there was a rumor that he was offering 100 grand a piece, 
even if Watson pays these 24 victims off, I don't see there's any way that the NFL just, we're good. I don't see it. Now, here's what has happened. There have been two grand juries. They both declined to charge Deshaun Watson. Okay, that's in his favor. But still the NFL, you still have shown that you will go in your own way. The investigative operation, according to Roger Goodell a few weeks ago, was near completion. Did that change now that you've got two more people? I bet it did. Did that change because all of a sudden uh, victims are speaking out on HBO? I bet it did. I bet you did. So now you're Roger Goodell and you thought the investigation phase was over. And now, whoa, 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 whoa. Got two more. One is enough. 24? Let me go back to Mayfield. How are you not seeing this if you're Baker Mayfield? I, I get it. I totally get it. The relationship is fractured. I will never go back there. Yeah, okay, pull this. It plays jingle bells. Look, do you want a career or don't you? And look, I got no problem. If Baker Mayfield doesn't want a career, I ran into Johnny Manziel two summers ago up in Chicago at Butler National Golf Course in the locker room. Seemed happy as hell. So maybe Baker Mayfield, who has had a much better Browns career than Johnny Manziel, maybe he's content, maybe he's happy. So I've always prefaced it by saying this. If Baker Mayfield wants a career, he's got to go show up because there's no way you play this guy. Do you? If you're the Browns, and let me ask you a question. Where the hell is the Me Too movement? I mean, this is a powerful male allegedly, allegedly using his position for sexual favor and intimidation. Pretty much what the Me Too movement was based on. Where is that movement? Where are the women of Cleveland? You're telling me with all that's been going on, this guy can walk into a press conference with the general manager, Barry, with the coach Stefanski, in his million-dollar suit or whatever it was, sign a $230 million deal, put his little cap on, go out to practice, practice, get two more allegations, and not a woman other than Jim Tomey's wife in Cleveland's going to say squat? Talk to me. <laughs> Let me know. It really, I don't know, it really is amazing to me. Hey, Dan, here's a question from Dog Days 27. Who doesn't have 40 to 50 masseuses? <laughs> now, I will say this. Dudes that make that kind of coin live a different life than you and me. I don't have a masseuse. Other than... <laughs> I rub my head. <laughs> so what? What if the team provides this stuff? Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I, I don't think so. I get the question. I do get the question. I understand the question. I ain't mad at the question. But I don't think the team is providing 40 to 50 people 
to give this dude a massage. Like, didn't word spread? Like, allegedly, well, this isn't alleged. My neighbors are Clintons, Bill Clinton, first cousins. And when the 500 comes, other of the Klan comes over. And they talk about, inevitably, the conversation gets to Bill Clinton. And one of the things one of the first cousins said about Bill Clinton, even going back, way back, uh, allegedly, no one, no young girls are allowed to be in the same room alone with Uncle Bill. Allegedly. I'm just telling you. So obviously, what's the point there, Dan? The point there is to say word spreads. Things aren't in a vacuum. They're not in a vacuum. So I'm curious. I don't know the answer to this, but did these women come from different towns? Did he fly people in? Because certainly people had to know this is a bad guy. I don't know about it. And, and certainly, hey, look, if you go give him a massage, things are going to happen. But I don't understand why Cleveland, Sean Black, El Presidente, on the YouTube chat says, hey, Cleveland fans don't care. We'll put up with, not will, because Sean is not saying will. They'll put up with anything, just about anything, if it means a Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Like, at what point are people in Cleveland like, hey, look, this is crazy. This is nuts. What are we doing? But I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you there are so many elements to this. Like, I don't view this, you know, and people say, well, it's a money grab. Everybody says everything's a money grab. I don't view this as a money grab for these women. I don't think, I don't view it that way. I, I, I view it as, hey, man, here you go. 22 of us, now 24 of us. What do you do if you're the Cleveland Browns? I would love to hear answers. I got about 170 people watching here on you or on this. I got a bunch of others. There'll be about 25 to 30,000 people that view this over the course of the day. Let me ask you a question. What do you do? Josh Dorsey says, Jimmy Haslin is so desperate. He's going to love Watson regardless of what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'm just shocked that there hasn't been an uproar in Cleveland. I haven't heard. You know what I've heard more of? True story. I've heard more about Baker Mayfield than I've heard about Deshaun Watson. I've heard Deshaun Watson in the cases, but I'm talking about what's going to happen with. What's going to happen with Deshaun Watson has not been said nearly as much as what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. So my last 10 minutes that I just talked about could be a complete waste of time because maybe he just going to collect his $230 million and play football. I'll be shocked if that ain't happening. That ain't happening, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you if I'm Baker Mayfield, my ass is going to be right there knocking on the door, getting into OTAs, and getting ready for the season because he's going to play at least half the season. Mark 
my words. Speaking of play half the season, no Jimmy G at training camp. That's not really a surprise. They're at OTAs. Uh, Jimmy G coming off of an injury. You know what's interesting about Jimmy G? Uh, first off, I love his, aunt, his grandma or whatever the hell it is in his commercials. I think she's great. I don't know who the hell she is. But he has been excused. He's excused because, well, a couple reasons. One, he's injured. That's a big reason. And two, let's be honest, Trey Lance is the future there. And what happens in the NFL, which I really don't understand, but, you know, who am I to question? I always think competition is good. But they're basically saying, hey, Trey, you're so soft that we can't even have Jimmy G here because you're so soft. You're so soft, we have to hand it to you. We certainly don't want you. Uh, we certainly don't want you to uh, to have to compete. No, because that's how soft you are. And maybe it's the right move. Look, in my world, competing is what you do. Jimmy G has had shoulder surgery. He has been rehabbing away from the facility, so that tells you he's pretty much done. They are trying to explain or trade the man. He's guaranteed a non-guaranteed, excuse me, $24.2 million base salary this year. The question becomes, do you want Jimmy G quarterbacking your team? I personally do. Here's the deal. You know that safety that dropped the ball for the 49ers right in his hands? Let me tell you something. That play, that play was the difference for so many people. Like the 49ers were going to go to the Super Bowl. The 49ers were not kind of going to go to the Super Bowl. Ball in mitts. Ball in mitts. uh, And the dude dropped it. I'm trying to find his name. The dude dropped the ball. I mean, boom. What the hell? He dropped the freaking ball, and next thing you know, Jimmy G doesn't go to his second Super Bowl. If Jimmy G goes to his second Super Bowl, that's like, that's all Peyton Manning did in Indianapolis. Well, you got to understand, Peyton Manning. Okay, I understand. Okay, go fight, win, great. Stafford and the great experiment out with the Rams doesn't work. I just saw Donald gets his big contract. Does he get a big contract? I don't know. You tell me. I'm not so sure. Man, that drop ball was a big, big deal. Man. Woo. Come on, Trey Lance, compete with somebody. And why does it say, look, you know how many teams want a Super Bowl quarterback? Everyone should. Some got their own. Others should be trading for Jimmy G tomorrow. Just looking at that commercial, you know how I tell you all the time, I can tell by the look, Jimmy G's a dude. Jimmy G's a real dude. Jimmy G's a dude that a lot of guys will get behind. I think the guy's name was Dart, wasn't it? San Francisco. Wasn't his name Dart? He dropped the football. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but I thought it was. Uh, Yesterday, it's going along sweet as you please. It's four to two. I told you to take the Oilers yesterday. It's going along beautiful. Swimmingly, really. Somebody explain this to me, you hockey guys. Why is it? Why is it that a two-goal lead in the third period is no good? What is that? 
Hey, explain it to me. A two-goal lead in the third period seems like it is absolutely money. A quiz dart. Yeah, that's the guy. I went to a hockey game 100 years ago. I went to a hockey game at Bowling Green. When you go to Bowling Green as a basketball coach, you got to go to the hockey game. All right? You got to go to hockey. Hockey's a big deal there. On the Miracle on Ice, there's like two or three Bowling Green guys. Kenny Morrow was one of them that were from Bowling Green. Bowling Green hockey's great. So I went to a hockey game with my friend, the golf coach, Gary Winger, and he's like, I go, all right, I played hockey growing up. He goes, yeah, two-goal lead, no good in the third period. I go, you're an idiot. I'll take a two-goal lead in the third period every day. He goes, yeah, you probably would. He goes, but it's no good. So yesterday, what happened? The Oilers got a two-goal lead. They're up four to two. Next thing you know, whap, 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 whap. My head got spinning. My head literally spun around. It went exorcist style. And I'm like, wait a second here. Uh, oh, boy. Six goals scored. Next thing you know, it's five to five, and they go into overtime, and the abs move on. Abs are fun to watch. Now, look, I'm not Mr. Hockey. I'm not sitting here as Gordy Howe. I got to tell you, the abs are fun to watch. You know why? They score goals. I mean, if you're going to go to a hockey game, how about you score some goals? How about you score some points? How about you do something? Hockey's like church sometimes when you go to the game. I don't know. Anyway, all right, here's the deal. Got a monster for you today. When we come back, it's a top five for Tuesday. It's just crazy stories. Like, we got Sarah Spain calling Rays players bigots. Everybody's got to call people names if you don't agree with them. Our most tolerant. We got Hunter Biden running around naked. We'll show it to you. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see Hunter Biden naked? Me. Also, we're celebrating the mustache today. Miles Teller in Top Gun. Traditional stash. Jennifer, all you ladies. We got Doc Holliday. We got, oh, Burt Reynolds. Oh, God. We got, we're celebrating the stash. I can't grow a stash. I uh, See this right here? I got hit in the mouth. A big scar. I had to have plastic surgery somewhere here in a lip. Can't grow a stash, so I admire the good old stash. Raleigh Fingers, remember that stash? All right, we come back. I got five top Tuesday crazy-ass stories that we must discuss, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it right here. Go tell your friends. Let's go. Let's make this show the biggest show in the country. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, Hunter Biden naked. Um, yeah. Well, here's the deal. You know, I have a hard time with things. And I'm, I'm tweeting out right now as I'm talking to you because I, I have a hard time because I understand addiction. I do. I understand addiction. Hunter Biden, this is our top five crazy for Tuesday, but Hunter Biden, I'm kind of tired of Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden won't go away. And frankly, at least the way I look at it, and you all can look at it differently, but the families are such, the family is so arrogant. 
like, and so ridiculous that I kind of put aside my, hey, I, I don't want to discuss people with addictions problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. That it, 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 it's one of those deals where I have a real sensitivity to it. But when you're such a jackass, I, I don't even know how we don't discuss. But so Hunter Biden is walking around. And Hunter Biden is walking around a hotel. This is from 2018. Now, let's set the story. So daddy is all of a sudden, Mr. Gunn, we're going to get your gun guy, right? And daddy has become like, oh, I don't know. Uh, whatever way the wind blows, his father goes that direction. All right. So now it's, all right, going to be, we're going to go get the guns, mass shootings. And I don't, look, anybody wants protests however they want to protest. We have a problem in this country. Mass shootings are a problem, but not just in schools. We saw what happened over the weekend. But it's not a great thing. And again, we have no standards. We have no standards in this country. And maybe people want to blame Donald Trump, and that's fine. I could too. There's no problem. But we have no standards in this country. I turn on ESPN. I got people that don't know their ass from third base talking. I turn on news. They're making stuff up. I mean, it's ridiculous. Hunter Biden, in his latest episode, is naked. He casually, in this video, waves around a handgun. Points it at the camera. He's got a nude hooker with him in some kind of big-time hotel. Now, Hunter Biden has an illegally obtained weapon on him. All right? And this comes out, and again, this is dirty politics. We know this. But it comes out at a time where you had 11 incidences on Saturday and Sunday that left 15 dead, 61 injured across the United States. His dad called on Congress to pass new gun control legislation. All right? So Hunter Biden is there. Now, what you're seeing in this picture is Hunter Biden's cheek, a little bit of a right cheek, with a gun. This was recorded. I want to make sure I get all this right. October 17, 2008. Uh, five days earlier, October 12, 2018, and not 818. Hunter Biden bought a 38 caliber handgun in Delaware. In order to make the purchase, listen to this, Biden answered no to a question that asks, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Obviously, Hunter Biden has acknowledged repeated struggles with drug addiction and alcoholism. It included a photo of what appeared to be crack cocaine and drug paraphernalia in this picture. So here we are. Again, we have no standards in this country. We have no level of, okay, let's keep it here. I think Lee would agree. There's no standards. You're the one that talked to me about it. We've lowered them. Yes, and if you lower standards, guess what's going to happen? Everyone's going to hit him. Thank you. So Hunter Biden's walking around naked in a hotel, rich hotel. Where did Hunter Biden get all this money? Anyway, I digress. Um, so it gets weird here, if that's possible. Like a naked-ass Hunter Biden carrying a gun uh, with a hooker naked in a hotel room. I got to tell you, full disclosure, I'm not just saying this because my wife's over here. I wouldn't know where to get a hooker. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. 
I would not, like when I was a kid in high school, one of the things we used to do was drive down in the middle of Gary Fifth Avenue and talk to the hookers. So I knew if I wanted to get a hooker, I could get it there. It's a long story. The police came up. They recognized me. They go, Dan, what are you doing? I go, ah, we're just sitting here talking to the hookers. And those of you that are from Gary, Indiana, know the Buckingham Hotel. I think it was on Fifth Avenue, Third Avenue, maybe. I don't know. But I wouldn't know where to get a hooker. These dudes just get hookers. So this is all gets weird, right? So the dude gets a gun, uh, illegally obtained. His lover, who, by the way, is named Hallie Biden, the widow of his late brother, Bo Biden. That's right. Hunter Biden Stupin, Hallie, who is his sister-in-law of his brother, Bo, who passed away. So Hallie cares about Hunter, so she tosses the gun in a supermarket garbage can, setting off a Secret Service and FBI probe. No charges were ever filed. The place where the gun was dumped and went missing, Jansen's Market in Greenville, Delaware, where President Biden has a home in an upscale neighborhood across the street from Alex DuPont High School. I don't know why that's important, but the Secret Service told the Post in March of 21 it had no record of agents investigating. But there he is. There are pictures holding his junk with a hooker naked in a hotel. Now, let me ask you a question. You got a hooker in a hotel room. Why are we taking pictures? I got a hooker in a hotel room with an illegal gun. Why are we taking pictures? Can somebody please explain? Then, of course, there's text messages. She stole the gun out of my truck lock, threw it in a garbage can, full to the top at Jansen's, then told me it was my problem to deal with. That's what Biden said in the text. Then, when the police, the FBI Secret Service, came on the scene, she said she took it from me because she was scared I would harm myself due to my drug and alcohol problem and our volatile relationship, and she was afraid for the kids. Really not joking, the cops kept me convinced that Haley was implying she was scared of me. He described the gun as my 38. Took from the lockbox of the trunk and put in a paper bag and threw in a trash can at a local high-end grocer for no reason, he said. And I freaked out when I saw it was missing 10 minutes after she took it. And when she went back to get it, after it scared the S out of her, it was gone, which led to a state investigation of me. True story. There you go. They weren't really investigating him for that. They were investigating for tax fraud, money laundering, violation of lobbying rules. Oh, jeez. All right. Hunter Biden's a mess. Addiction's a bad thing, and I feel bad for him and his family because of that part. But look, you're in the public eye, man. Why are we taking pictures with hookers? Can anybody explain this to me? We're in a hotel room, and we're going to take pictures with hookers and an illegal gun. I would love to have a call-in show right now where I ask the question, why would you take a picture of yourself and a naked hooker and an illegal gun in a hotel room when you were married or at the very least, stooping your sister-in-law? Man, holy cow. People are saying, dude, give it a rest. Why? 
Donald Trump took a dump, wiped with his left hand, and you all lost your mind. Hey, Dan, I really don't give a blank what Hyder Biden's doing. Somebody help Joe figure out what the hell, where the country's being headed. That's my concern. Me too, but I can have concerns on both ends. I mean, I can't talk about it for five minutes. Dude, give it a rest. No. No. Mm-mm. No, I ain't giving it a rest. It's too funny. Uh, Sarah Spain, that wonderful, actually god-awful. See, I lost Sarah Spain. I was friends with Sarah Spain. Sarah Spain's fine. She's fine. But Sarah Spain, uh, I was listening to her show this a long time ago. I was actually friends with Sarah Spain. Anyway, Sarah Spain was doing a show. Dan Dickow came on the show. I think it was Dan Dickow. And she and her partner started talking about rubbing her hands through his hair. And I'm like, well, you can't do that. And then I started listening to her, and she got into the whole... There were groups at ESPN. One was a little Levitard group where all the little Libbies go, and they're all nuts. And Anyway, apparently Sarah Spain still has a radio show. I, I did not know this. But let me give you some context here. So Sarah Spain mad about everything. When I said that... Uh, Andrew Luck quit on his team. Toxic masculinity, she screamed at me. Well, I say toxic stupidity by her. Show's uninteresting. She's uninteresting. Uh, but anyway, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, who cares? But five Tampa Bay Rays decided they're refusing to wear a patch that had the gay pride logo on their uniforms because of their religious beliefs. Sarah Spain got angry. Sarah Spain says, hey, look, these guys are bigots. Let me ask you a question. This is a woman that sold her uh, whatevers on the internet to go to the Super Bowl <laughs> years back. This is a woman that would side with anything that the wind blows. Sarah Spain, this is what tends to happen. Frivolous class isn't affected by things. That religious exemption BS is used in sports and otherwise also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children. No, it's not. We have to stop tiptoeing around it because they're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it. When they are the very people that they that they when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences, you say trying to be bigoted. Yeah, whatever. I I she went to Cornell, she's very smart. I gotta tell you, if I'm playing professional baseball. Or I'm doing a radio show. And somebody wants me to wear something on my person that I'm not comfortable wearing, I'm not wearing it. And if you don't like it, tough shit. That's basically it. And if someone as inconsequential as a radio host doesn't like it, good. You can always tell how you're doing by who doesn't like it. You can always tell that. And this has nothing to do with people's apartments. This has nothing to do with people's jobs. Hell, there are tons of jobs out there. There's a million jobs. People can get any job they want right there. This has nothing to do with health care. This has to do with a personal choice by men that are going to be out in the public and they don't want something displayed on their person. And they have every right to do it. And certainly she has every right to call them whatever name she wants to call them. But that is the way our, quote, most tolerant, most concerned uh, party does. That's how ESPN and the people at ESPN get ahead. Sarah Spain has absolutely no value to ESPN. There's nothing she does that draws in does that draws interest. And I like her. She's fine. She's fun to be around. But this has to do with a simple choice by men. A simple choice. Do I want a logo on me that makes me uncomfortable 
and has absolutely nothing to do with what my job is? And the answer, of course, is of course you have the right to do that. And of course they have the right, they being whoever they are, the right to call you names. That's what happens in this world. But if I were a raised player and I was uncomfortable with it, I wouldn't give two shits about what Sarah Spain or Dan Lebetard or any of the little cretins running around ESPN or used to run around ESPN calling people names under the guise of being the most inclusive. I wouldn't care what any of them think. And good for the raised players. Would I do? I don't know. I know this. I wouldn't put something on me right here and wear it that I did not want on me right here on this show. Or I wouldn't do it on ESPN. I wouldn't do it on any network that I'm on. I wouldn't do it. And if you didn't like it, tough. It's just another thing for people that are inconsequential, that have no original thought, that have no influence to get mad about. That's all it is. We're all bigots if you don't do what the political left wants you to do. Look, all right, Major League Baseball, like most brands in this country, are engaged in Pride Month. Many of them, they believe in it. Many of them just to show that they're not bigoted, just to show that they don't catch hell. I got to tell you, the most popular video we have sent out, this is where maybe people have it wrong. The most popular video we've ever sent out from this show, and I believe from OutKick, non-Clay division, because I think Clay dominates all of us, was my video yesterday talking about this very thing. This very thing. And I read the comments yesterday. There was like over 300 comments by the time I read them. Maybe there's more now. And I got to tell you, 99.99999% of them were in favor of the raised players. We cater to the Sarah Spains in the world. Somehow, some way, we cater to the 0.1% of people that say, you're a bigot. No, you got personal choice in a country that allows for that. You got personal choice in a country where men have, women have fought for that personal choice. And that personal choice is, I don't want to wear something I'm not comfortable. That's not bigoted. That's personal choice. And if you don't like it, good. You want to bitch about it, good. But it's no wonder people don't pay attention to Sarah Spain. Victimhood sells, man. Name-calling sells. Name-calling sells big time. Big time. Uh, And Sarah Spain is part of a dream team. Bomani Jones, L. Duncan, J.A. Adande. Awesome. Sarah Spain. Okay. Now, they'll twist that into some kind of, well, look who's making fun of. I'm just talking about, I'm not making fun of anybody. It's a dream team of wokeness and victimhood. That goes by inclusion and diversity. That's all they they, they go by that, but they're not. So look, I think uh, you do what you want, but if I am a person of substance, and believe me, uh, I turned down turned down a lot of money in my lifetime over character issues. I'll debate my character against any of these slaps, any of the slaps that I mentioned. I'll, I'll, and by what I did, not by what I say. Turned down three and a half million dollars when I was freaking. 20 or 30 some years old with a young family in West Virginia because they were cheating pricks and I wasn't going to be a part of it. So I'll put my, my credibility up against any of these clowns. Good for the Tampa Bay Rays, man. Good for them. They stood up. They did. Whether you like it or not, they stood up. And a typical of ESPN's quote talent to all of a sudden equate it to something that doesn't equate to and of course, of course, <laughs> be the first to call names. It's really, really, really interesting.
It's fascinating, really. It is. You can't just have a debate. That's bigoted. All right? Good for you. So there you go. Uh, now we got a couple more. That's only two. We got a lot of stuff. Tiger Woods offered a huge deal to go to Saudi Arabia. Tiger Woods looks a little like Jack Nicholas in that, doesn't he? He looking a little like Fat Jack. Tiger Woods ain't fat. Tiger Woods is ripped. And I mean ripped. So Tiger Woods offered a ton of money to go play golf in Saudi Arabia. Now I got to tell you, everybody else can go play golf in Saudi Arabia. Everybody. And it is not going to move the needle. At least not yet. Maybe it will. Maybe it will in the future. But Tiger Woods can't go play golf in Saudi Arabia. He can't. Because Tiger Woods is beyond golf. Tiger Woods' dad, Earl, once said that Tiger is going to be as big as Gandhi. Well, he's not that. He's not. I mean, maybe, I don't know, some of you maybe. But I'll tell you this, Tiger Woods is bigger than golf. Tiger Woods is bigger than any personality that has ever been in golf. Tiger Woods may be the biggest personality golf will ever see. And one of the reasons that Tiger Woods is so big because of personal flaws. When he got up there in that, in that uh, press conference, basically apologized for stripping everything, he talked about his Buddhist faith. And I got to tell you, we all looked and laughed. We're like, yeah, that's crap. But it endeared us to him. Because he became like us. He became a flawed person his whole life. Obviously, he was hiding behind, you know, whatever it was. Well, what he was hiding was that he was just one of us. A guy that screws up. Once he did that, I liked him more. I loved watching him play golf, even when he was a teenager and he was playing in uh, the U.S. Amateur. We would watch him against Steve Scott, I think, is the guy's name was awesome. But I got to tell you. Tiger Woods cannot, I I cannot have him going to Saudi Arabia. Even if he never plays around, he's the one guy that can't go to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Greg Norman said that it was mind-blowingly enormous, the money offered Tiger Woods. We're talking about high nine digits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ugh, boy. The Saudis got a little money. They're talking about Phil Mickelson reached around $200 million to play. Yikes. Yikes. So Tiger Woods, don't go. Don't leave me because I am not going to watch the Saudi tour. I'm sorry, I'm not. You may, and it's great. I hope it's wonderful. I hope Phil Mickelson and Martin Keimer and Kevin Na and Sergio and all the rest dominate the world, but I ain't watching. If Tiger Woods went, I would have to watch because I like watching Tiger Woods play golf. That's not fair. You just said guys can do what they want. You're damn right they can, but not Tiger Woods. He's got to stay. Please, please, LT Gray, T Gray, don't leave me. Man, I got to tell you though, if you're Phil Mickelson and they offer you $200 million, oof. How are you not going? Like, I get it. I mean, I turned down 3.5, and that was like 200 in my family. In fact, I thought about it when I read Dustin Johnson's comments. Dustin Johnson left. Dustin Johnson said, look, it allows me not to have to work at this my rest of my life. And I thought to myself, damn, if I'd have stayed at West Virginia, 
in 2002, for what I was making there, I was making one-fifth of it back at Bowling Green. I wouldn't have to work, but I like working. But, Tiger, you can't go. Uh, The biggest story yesterday was not anything I've talked about, ladies and gentlemen. Not anything I've talked about. Dylan, make sure that Clay Travis knows we're talking about him, please, in Twitter. But Clay Travis met yesterday with the umpire that gave him the boot. That's right. The umpire that gave him the boot and Clay Travis had a sit-down. Clay got the boot in a kid's game. Clay got the boot at his son's 11-year-old game. Now, look, I don't condone that. It's kind of stupid. But, hey, you got to make chicken salad out of chicken blank, right? So Clay goes on, and I thought this was great. The Outkick 360 boys get Clay on and get the umpire that gave him the boot. And I got to tell you, I am 1,000% in on it. So they have a sit-down. They have a Bill Aikens, A-K-I-N-E-S. They sit down. They talk about the game. Terrible call. They go face-to-face. See, this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is what men and women should do. You don't hide behind some nonsensical show that nobody's watching calling people a bigot. You got a problem? You sit down and you discuss what's going to happen. Clay gets the boot. Bill gave him the boot. Clay goes to social media. Bill's a fan of Clay. So what happens? They sit down and talk about it. They don't sulk. They don't whine. No. They walk like men. Should Clay get thrown out of an 11-year-old game? Of course not. I think he admitted that. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, whatever transpired, we all make mistakes. Only the media doesn't make mistakes, these jackasses. But in my world, the world of real men, real women, real people, you do what Clay and Bill did. You sit down and you discuss what happened like adult freaking men. You shake hands. You go have a beer. You go have a coffee. I don't care what you have, but you don't have a latte. No lattes. Black coffee and whiskey only. That's right. Put your horse. Put him on the thing in front. Open the bar. Go in and get yourself a whiskey with Bill. You sit down like men and you discuss. That's what the hell you do. Period. Damn. No guns. Nothing. Man, it's what men do. Don't look at my coffee. There's a nice little cream in there. I get so tired of everything else. Well, you didn't think like me. The Sarah Spains, the Bombani Joneses of the world, the Izzy's. Well, you didn't think like me. I'm a victim. I'm this. I'm that. No, 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 no. Bill could have said, hey, screw you, Clay. I don't care who you are. You're in my territory now, baby. You're on my turf. I'm the umpire. I ain't talking to you. I'm going to put a video out about what a bad guy you are. 
Clay could have continued railing against Bill, but that's not how men work. That's why I'm very happy to be working for this company. Men don't operate like that, ladies and gentlemen. Men shake hands. They sit down. They discuss. If you got to throw hands, you throw hands. And at the end of throwing hands, you sit down, you swing open the bar door, and you go have a whiskey. Whiskey. What did George Clooney say in Ocean's Eleven? Whiskey, whiskey. I don't know what that means. If anybody knows what that means, tell me, please. Please. But good for those two guys sitting down and hashing it out. Look, Clay's wrong. I'll tell you point blank. I went to Little League games my whole life. You don't get thrown out. I legitimately, myself and the hockey coach at Bowling Green, we called ourselves Harry and Steve. We would announce the games. We would sit in the back because it's boring. Like, let's be honest, man. Your kid's on a travel team. You got six games in a day. It's hot as a bejesus. I never drank at my kid's game. Guys would go out in the outfield and drink. I never wanted to do that. I just sat there and watched. And, and Scotty Pollock and I would announce the games. Uh, he was Harry. I was Steve. Steve Stone and Harry Carey. That's what we did. Man, world is nuts. All right, this is really weird. You ready for this? This is really weird, but this is really cool. I don't know if you guys remember, but going back 100 years, it does, it shouldn't be 100 years ago, but it seems like it's 100 years ago. Uh, a while back, the, there was the curse of whatever the hell was in Boston, and two guys that helped break the curse were David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. Well, David Ortiz's son, D'Angelo, drove in Manny Ortiz's son. How about that? Manny, or excuse me. Manny Ramirez Jr., there it is. He drives him in, in a college baseball game. Is that cool? How cool is that? D'Angelo Ortiz drives in Manny Ramirez Jr., and the world feels old. Seriously, the world feels like it's a thousand degree, a thousand years old. It does. It just does. It feels like yesterday. Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz were celebrating, Johnny Damon and everyone. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we close our eyes, we open our eyes, and Manny's kid and David Ortiz's kid are playing ball together. It's pretty cool, actually. It's very cool. I like it. I don't like it a little bit. I like it a lot. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I do. I think it's absolutely awesome. It does make you feel old, though. If Johnny Damon's kid's out there in center field, I'm going to have conniption. And if uh, Mario R R Mariano Rivera's out there throwing, I'm going to have big conniption. I don't want to have conniption today. All right, we come back. I got today in stupidity. It includes Draymond Green, Tuck and Bucks, <sighs> the golfer spat. I got a lot to get to with you people. Oh, no, wait, that's coming at 10.30. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're celebrating the mustache. Yes, we are. I know it's not Movember, but Top Gun has hit the roof. Top Gun has taken off. Everybody loves Top Gun. And Miles Teller in Top Gun has the classic stash. So we decided, you know what? We're going to celebrate the stash, the porn stash, the handlebar stash, the regular stash, the wispy stash, the big old furry stash. You got a stash? We want to see your stash. 
celebrating Miles Teller and Top Gun. By the way, side note, Miles Teller is in something called The Offer. The Offer is freaking awesome. It's about the making of The Godfather. His name is L. Ruddy. That's who Miles Teller plays. I'll get into that. Freaking awesome. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming up. It's a Tuesday. Where the hell are you going? Keep it right here. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Ah, yes. Ah, the mustache. Mustachioed. All right, this Miles Teller picture, I think we got Miles first, is the reason we're doing this. Miles Teller in Top Gun, the hit movie that everybody loves, because look, let's be honest, contrary to what these idiots tell us, we love America, we love America fighters, we love America folks. So we are celebrating the mustache today in honor of Top Gun and Miles Teller. That's what we're doing. And we thought about some great mustache. You can't have a conversation about a mustache without Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck is the quintessential mustache. And I'm not talking about a mustache that, well, wore out. Tom Selleck on whatever the hell his show was that everybody loved him in. What the hell was the name of that show? You guys know? I forget. He was terrific. Uh, he was a Detroit, it was uh, like Magnum P.I., that's what it was. Tom Selleck in Magnum P.I. was fantastic. You see that mustache there? That mustache lived in Friends. That mustache inspired Joey and Chandler to grow their own mustache. When you inspire others to get mustachioed, even on television, you have a strong mustache. And I got to tell you, I don't know whether Tom Selleck's a good guy. I don't know where Tom Selleck's a bad guy. I don't know whether Tom Selleck is uh, anything. I don't even know where the hell Tom Selleck is today, but I got to tell you, when you talk mustaches, you are talking in the movies Tom Selleck, period. There are very few stashes that are iconic. This next one that I'm going to show you, Every single guy and gal that watched baseball in the 70s and the 80s can tell you who this is right from jump. His name is Raleigh Fingers. Now, Tom Selleck's stash, fantastic. But you gotta you get a look at Raleigh Fingers, and he had the little whip here. I'm gonna be straight with you. I think this mustache is weird. I think this mustache is a little bit, I don't know, icky. You're telling me you're going to do this? You're telling me you're going to walk around with that stash, with those loops, and you're not going to be a weird dude? I got to tell you, I'm just, I, I think different. I think completely different. I guarantee you the YouTube chat is not happy with this mustache. Uh, when Raleigh Fingers used to have it, you know what I always wanted to do? I wanted to trim it. I always thought, and again, everybody that I have ever met, and I know some Major League Baseball players, but anybody that I've ever met has told me that Raleigh Fingers is one great dude. Not kind of a great dude, a great dude. All right? Um, don't at me about Raleigh Fingers and the weirdness. This is freaking weird. Now, even in the 70s, where weird was the norm, this was weird. I ain't like, 
this is the kind, let's go to Prince here. Now, when you think of mustaches, you don't necessarily think of Prince. But you see that little stash? You see, you got to look close. You got to really pay attention. That's a unique stash. That stash is basically, uh, you know when in the wintertime you get a cold and snot comes down your nose? That's what that stash is. And then you got a little wisp around the sides. Not quite a goatee. Not feathered up. Well, let me see. I'm, I don't look. Not, not feathered out like Raleigh Fingers. No, no, no. It's going down just a little. It's not all the way down here where it looks a bit Fu Manchu-ish. No, 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 no. Stylish. It befits a man that is an artist. It befits somebody that is a musical genius. You can't just have a normal stash. You can't. You can't just have a stash. Oh, lick my boots. That was awful. That reference to Sheila E. was just awful. However, they did put their thing out for display. They did. Uh, Sam Elliott. I said Sam Shepard. Sam Elliott. Hey, Lee, Sam Elliott. We were discussed. Look at that thing. Now, there's a couple dudes that have that thing. Remember Tiger Woods' caddy fluff back in the day? It had that thing. You just call that the frickin' walrus. Remember Craig Stadler, the golfer? I mean to tell you, that frickin' thing is... Look, if you walk around with that thing hanging on your lip, you know what you are? You're a man. You ever hear that guy's voice? He's like in everything, right? Isn't he like one of the guys in uh, Roadhouse? He's kicking ass. He's one of the bouncers. You got to be a man. I had a good friend, Bob Street. We called him Hebe. He was a man. He had that kind of stash. Rest in peace, Hebe. Eyes always open like this. Had too many drinks at the bar. Bought rounds, fought people, protected women, rode horses, shot the bad guy. Yeah, that's right. I'm Sam Elliott. Now, in real life, Sam Elliott may have been a Shakespearean actor. Hell, I don't know. But when you got a stash like that, yes, Wilford Brimley, that's that stash. I took Sam Elliott ahead of Wilford, Winford, whoever the hell his name is, Brimley, because I got to tell you, I got tired of Wilf, Wilford, Winford, Brimley. For a while, Brimley was on every stinking show. In fact, he probably still does healthcare commercials. I had enough of his down-home folksiness. It was all I could take. I agree. Sam Elliott was awesome in The Big Lebowski. He was. Absolutely awesome. But when you talk like Sam Elliott, oh, hell, I'm half hungover anyway. You're always a little bit tired, but you're always ready for the rumble. Yeah, you are. You're always ready in case somebody wants to challenge you. And if somebody wants to challenge you, hell, we'll kick their backside from here to Omaha. We ain't mad about it. Hell. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. 
Where's Doc Holliday in all this? Doc Holliday had a stash. See, all these stashes are different. We celebrate the stash today. I don't know why. We just do. So, uh, oh, oh, Groucho Marx. Wait a second. We got Groucho coming up here. Did I forget it? Look at this thing. Now, I got to tell you, when I see, oh, no, that's Doc Holliday. My bad. When I see Doc Holliday's mustache, you know what I think? 1950. Maybe 1920. I don't know my 19's that great. But that's a hairy man. You know how much hair is on that man's back? Do you have any idea how many times if that man had that back groomer, he'd be doing Look at the hair on that guy. Doc Holliday. Yeah, he was. Doc Holliday was a bad man. We'll do Groucho next. But when you look at Doc Holliday, you know what you think? Classic. When you look at Groucho Marx, you know what you think? Comedic. So you got, let's go back to Holiday for just a second. See, Groucho looks funny right there. Groucho looks like he's getting ready to tell you something that you want to hear. Groucho looks like the kind of guy I want to be around, right? He looks like what he is, a funny dude. Doc Holiday looks like a lawman. Doc Holiday shows up. You know what he's got. You know, right below this picture right here, he's got one of those watches that's on a chain. What do you call him? He's got one, he's got a vest, he's got a watch on a chain, and he's got a six-shooter by his side. Yeah, he does. Doc Holliday's ready for business. And that mustache says, take me serious, I'll put a cap in your ass. That's right, it does. Now let's go to Groucho again. Groucho says, eh, I'm here for a good time. Yeah, I'm here for a good time. I got a stash. I want you to know me. Without my stash, you know what Groucho Mark looks like? Just looks like a bald businessman. You put the stash on, you put the cigar, and you put the, uh, you know, the look, the eyes, the whole Groucho Marx thing, and you got a comedy genius, a comedic genius. That's what you got. And who doesn't want a comedic genius? A comedic genius cannot look like Groucho Marx would look without the stash, let's be honest. And Groucho Marx is a little bit, for my generation, maybe not yours, but a little bit like Mario Andretti. We've talked about this. Friend of yours is driving too fast. What do you think you are, Mario Andretti? Guy makes a bad joke. Hey, you know Groucho Marx. Now, maybe it's different. Maybe people say Kevin Hart now. Maybe people say different. But, hey, you know, don't try to be Groucho Marx. That stash. Groucho Marx without that stash. In fact, Groucho Marx stash, nose, and glasses are actually a costume. That's when you know you got it figured out. That's when you know you got it going on. When you become a costume. Like, nobody's going as this. This is just bald coach, the old coach, or I don't know, penis head, Edward penis head. There's a porno in Los, or in New York City. When I was playing basketball at Indiana, my mom, my dad and one of my friends came out. We were playing against, uh, we were playing in Madison Square Garden. They sent me a Polaroid of the movie Edward Penis Hands. That's all this would be. But Groucho Marx is a thing, man. Go get your... You want to know why? Uh, nose, mustache, glasses, that right there. It's iconic. All right, let me go a direction that I never thought this show would go. Playgirl Magazine. 
Playgirl magazine was the antithesis of Playboy magazine. And Playgirl magazine used to have dudes in centerfolds, not really showing the packy, but damn close. And Burt Reynolds was the first guy in Playgirl magazine. Now look at that stash. Now Burt Reynolds had the fake hair, the hairy arms. How hairy are those arms? Right? Smokey and the Bandit. The Longest Yard. Burt Reynolds, I thought, was always a good actor. I thought he was a great actor. I don't know if you're allowed to say he's a great actor or not without getting ripped. Hell, I don't know. But I do know this. Burt Reynolds is one of those guys, when he did a movie, I liked it. Here's why. Because Burt Reynolds always had an underlying filth to him. Meaning he and Dom DeLuise, who was really funny too, used to do bits, and those bits were kind of like they were the bit, but there was always, if you paid attention, there was always some kind of innuendo under, and that's what this guy likes. I like the, the show Seinfeld. I don't like the comedian Jerry Seinfeld as a comedian. I think he's probably a good guy. I don't know, although he was dating a high school girl at the head of his fame. I don't know what that was about. But see this guy right here? He was a football player at Florida State. If you took, I just want you to imagine something right here. He was a noted tough guy in movies, right? As I said, he was the first guy, maybe the only guy, hell, I don't know. But he was the first guy to pose for Playgirl magazine as a centerfold. Now, I want you to do something here. Take that mustache off of him in your mind. Do you think, and I'm being serious here. Do you think anyone would give a rat's ass about Burt Reynolds? Do you think anyone would buy Burt Reynolds being a tough guy if he didn't have that mustache? Think about it. There is not a chance in holy hell anybody would think. Look at that face. It's a round, cheesy face with big, nasty, bushy eyebrows. And by the way, speaking of eyebrows... You're going to sometimes see me when I have no eyebrows. Why? Because one of my pet peeves in life is as you get older, dudes with big bushy eyebrows. So the only thing that I shave other than a beard is my eyebrows. I don't like bushy ass eyebrows. I don't. So when you, people have said, Dawkins, do you even have eyebrows? Not much. Not much. Look at the eyebrows on that guy. Burt Reynolds, without that mustache, is just some dork named Burt. You throw a stash on that guy, that's a movie star. That's a freaking centerfold. And here's the other thing with Burt Reynolds, all right? You, put, you take the toupee and the mustache, mustache off, he's Simplewitz. Dennis Franz, that's all he is. Maybe... I need a mustache. And I ain't mad at Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds knew what he had, man. Burt Reynolds knew who he was. He knew what he had. You know who else does? Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey's got one of the greatest... How do I put this right? He's got one of the greatest... Is that Steve Harvey? No kidding. He's got one of the greatest, fakest mustaches ever. Like, when I watch Steve Harvey, I mean, Steve Harvey's on your TV, like, 24-7. 
Steve Harvey, you can't swing a dead cat without Steve Harvey on your TV. I don't care if it's a pageant that he screws up. Uh, I don't care if it's the damn, what is it, a family feud. I don't care if he's a judge. You turn on afternoon TV, and the king of afternoon TV is Steve Harvey. Now, when I was coming up in Gary, Indiana, the African Americans called it clean. Steve Harvey is clean. He's got a clean stash. He wore it. We used to, there was two things. Man, you're clean. And you got a stingy brim. Do you know what a stingy brim is? Anybody know what a stingy brim is? A very cool hat. A very cool Bear Bryant type hat. I always wore a stingy brim. I had a stingy brim, man. Some guy knocked the stingy brim off me and I punched him in the face, ran into the car, jumped in the back seat and hid. Because I thought he was dead. And I spent the entire night thinking that I killed a guy at my girlfriend's apartment. I couldn't get a hold of her. I went back to the apartment. The guy was just having a beer. He's like, why'd you punch me? I go, because you knocked off my stingy brim. He goes, now we're going to have to fight. I said, okay. We didn't fight. But Steve Harvey's stash is clean. But I got to tell you, it looks fake. And I'm not saying it is fake. I'm just saying it is fake. It is. It's fake. You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden people uh, are talking about deliverance. Burt Reynolds was in deliverance. I don't think he had a stash. We'll go back to something. I'm not one of those people that generally cries at movies, although I have. I'm not one of those people that walks out of a movie thinking that we're going to have, uh, oh yeah, excuse me, Let me. I'll get back to that. Wrong way. I got to tell you, this changes everything. This changes the look. This, this changes the sex appeal. Somebody take a picture and send this to me. I'm going to send it up to Lee. Yeah. This would be foreplay. Yeah, that's right. The sex bots are on the YouTube chat, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, they are. What was I talking about? Hell, I forget. But I'm sure it was really good. I'm sure it was really, really, really pertinent. Uh, guys here, no, wait a second. I was talking about movies. So Burt Reynolds is in Deliverance. Like, I don't walk out of a movie. Rocky, we kind of did, right? Rocky went, he wanted to work out, right? He wanted to go do something, all right? But I'm not one of those guys. My wife is. She thinks that aliens are going to walk the planet. Not aliens, but, um, you know, the walking dead people, zombies. She thinks we're in for a zombie apocalypse. And I'm not saying she's wrong. But I'm not one of those that goes, oh, man, I saw this movie and now I can't sleep. Except for one movie, one time, Deliverance. That scene where Ned Beatty, squealing like a pig, has stayed with me my entire life. I'm not a woods guy. 
I don't go into the woods. I'm not afraid to go into the woods, but I'm not really a woods guy. But when I do go into the woods, I ain't happy about it. Tell you something else. When I do go into the woods, Lee and I actually one time, I got these rubber kayaks. I bought them from Walmart. And we moved to a new town. Actually, she moved to a new town with me at Zionsville. And Lee likes to do stuff. So I'm like, hey, let's go kayaking down this little river next to the Little League Park. I didn't tell her this, but we're go kayaking down. And I'm not going to lie to you. Even though it was basically in the middle of the town, my head was on a swivel. I didn't need to see those guys with the banjos, baby. I don't think they're around Zionsville, but I know this. They're around southern Indiana. Yeah, they are. I didn't need that kind of action in my life. I didn't need it at all. Here's what I needed. Get down the river, have a good time. There was a place called Bub's at the end of the river. Go have a hamburger and a beer and not run into the good old boys. That movie, ladies and gentlemen, has stayed with me for as long as I can remember. It's the only movie that has. I'd love to hear what movie stayed with you. That's the only. Star Wars, isn't it great? They, yeah, it's great. Rocky, I wanted to go beat up everyone. Yeah, it's great. No. Two minutes later, I forgot it. I watched Deliverance in two, 1991. For the first time in a house I can remember exactly, it was on, I don't know if we had an illegal cable buy, I don't know what we had. Maybe we just had HBO, but it was on, I'd never seen it, and it came up just before that part, and it stuck with me forever. Yeah, forever. It's really the only movie to this day that has... And I believe it's the only movie that ever really will. Unless somebody makes a movie about my life, which ain't happening. So there you go. Deliverance. Oh, man. (laughs) Burt Reynolds without a stash. No. All right. When we come back, you know, how do I put this right? There's a lot of stupidity in sports. There's a lot of stupidity in a lot of different areas, including why in the living hell, if you can explain this to me, why in the living hell are we having children go to drag shows? I'm at a drag show. I don't know. I'm just curious. Also, I'm going to give you what to bet. Oh, how close was that last night? Damn. All right. When we come back, I got today in stupidity. Actually, it's yesterday in stupidity. As we celebrate the mustache, baby, the mustache. I know it's supposed to be Movember. I get all that. But damn, Miles Teller looks good in that simple stash. I can't grow one, so we're celebrating it today. All right, when we come back, today in stupidity, what to bet on? The news of the day, ladies and gentlemen, Dustin Johnson the number 15 player in the in the world in golf
who was number one, married to Gretzky's daughter. He's got all the social media stuff. He has left the PGA Tour and gone to the LIV Saudi Tour for $125 million following Phil Mickelson, who announced last night that he left for $200 million. That ain't stupid. Be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, you know, it's a weekly feature. Uh, Today in stupidity. Now, stupidity can be in sports, obviously. It can be in politics. It can be in business. It can be anything you want. All right, leading it off, and this is going to be interesting. We're going to talk tomorrow to Damon Bruce. It's Boston against the Warriors. The Celtics against the Warriors. Boston's against San Francisco, all that kind of stuff. Draymond Green yesterday said something that I think, and we talked about this yesterday, but I got to expound on it a little bit. Draymond Green was quoted as saying, yeah, I've earned preferential treatment from the referees. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again today. I'm not sure that he hasn't. I think he pretty much has. I mean, let's be honest. When you're in the NBA and you've been to the final six of eight times and you're a really good player, the NBA historically has shown they will give preferential treatment. I mean, I don't think LeBron James has ever fouled out of a game. Michael Jordan never fouled out of a game. I mean, you, that's preferential treatment. Certainly, it's knowing how to play. Don't get me wrong, but it's also preferential treatment. And Draymond Green said that. Now, here's the deal. I said this yesterday, and I'll say this today. I'm interested to see what happens tomorrow night. Because you kind of go by what you would do. Let me ask you this. What would you do if you were a referee or you were a league office and you listened to the biggest voice in your sport right now? I'm not saying he's the best player. And I don't think he has the biggest reach. Like, I think LeBron James in his social media, he has the biggest reach, right? I mean, he's got all these millions. And, but Draymond Green is the loudest voice, the biggest voice. And I'm using that term literally, voice. So the biggest voice in your sport basically tells you as the commissioner, Adam Silver, and basically tells you as the head of the officials, and basically tells the officials that are going to work game three, hey, look, I know, you know, the public knows, you give us all preferential treatment, and I've earned that. I ain't having it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not having it. If I'm a referee, I may blow the whistle and every time say preferential this. Now, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying any referee would do that, but I would. Because they're embarrassing you. Now what happens is this. Now because Draymond spoke it, now people look for it. Y'all kind of knew it. I said it yesterday. It's like a billionaire telling everybody he's a billionaire than being surprised when his house gets robbed or somebody in his family gets kidnapped. I mean, don't be surprised when you go out there and you talk about it. Don't be surprised when you brag about it. Don't be surprised when there are repercussions because of you bragging about it. It's interesting to me. And I'll bet you money, I will, I'll bet you money that as that game goes on tomorrow, maybe not the next day, maybe not game four, maybe not game five, six, seven, but I'll bet you tomorrow, I'll just bet you tomorrow, things don't go that smoothly for Draymond because I'm pissed if I'm the commissioner. 
I'm pissed if I'm his coach. I'm pissed if I'm his GM. I'm pissed if I'm the head of referees. I'm pissed if I'm the ref. I am. Hey, man. Yo, we've taken a lot of your grief, Draymond Green. And you're going to throw that back in our face? Okay. No problem. Here we go. See how this goes for you. That's how I look at it. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm right. In fact, probably means I'm wrong. That's how I would. Everybody's got a boss, people. Everybody's got a superior. So you think you're getting over, huh? That's what you think? All right. You think you're getting over on us? Let's see how that goes for you. Because everybody's got an ego, baby. And Draymond getting ready to find out. All right. I, I don't know why this is a thing. Other than, I guess, lifestyles have to be thrown in our faces at every turn. But will somebody tell me why tucking bucks into drag queens, little kids, has become a thing? Like, I'm no prude. I ain't even close to being a prude. But will somebody please explain it to me? I was just going to say 317-239-1070 is a number. But will you explain to me how different places now, whether it's Taco Bell, why we are so into drag queens. Look, I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter to me what you do. Uh, But I got to ask, why do we have to involve little kids? Why can't we just let kids be kids? I'll hang up and listen. Like, are you trying to normalize this? Like, kids are literally on stage tucking dollar bills into men dressed up as women and dancing suggestively to them. Like, look, do whatever you want to me. I don't care. But I don't understand why this is a thing. And I'll sit back and listen. All of a sudden, out of the blue, and I swear to God, this is out of the blue, and maybe I'm not smart enough to see things coming. I'm certainly not. And if you all, or they all, or we all, whatever your term for all is, want to have a lifestyle that involves drag queens, that's great. Good for you, man. Good for you. But why do kids have to be drawn into it? Why is it so important for adults to drag kids? What kind of parent drags their kid to a drag show and then has them go on stage and tuck dollar bills into the person's underwear? There is literally pictures of kids with their hands in the pants of drag queens. Explain to me why that is necessary in this world. But again, I tell you this because we have zero standards. There are no standards in our country. Seriously, it is amazing to me. You know, it's astounding to me that this is what we are doing. Children, listen to this. Children are actively encouraged to tip the drag queens at a drag show at a Dallas gay bar. I don't care if it's a gay bar. I don't care about that. I care about what are we doing. 
There's a viral video of children at a drag show with a neon sign reading, quote, it's not going to lick itself. Can you explain to me why this has to be? The only explanation is we got no standards anymore. We're letting the lowest common denominator get hit every time. You lower standards, we're going to hit them. And you can tell me this is no big deal, but I think it is, and good for a Texas legislature. He's going to be introducing legislation, listen to this, to ban children from being subjected to drag shows after Image from a Bar inside Texas went viral over the weekend and sparked a national outlet. The events of this weekend were horrifying and showed a disturbing trend in which perverted adults are obsessed with sexualizing young children. As the father of two young children, I would never take my son to a drag or children to a drag show. And I know Speaker Dade, Dade, Dade Fellin and the rest of my Republican colleagues wouldn't either. That's from Brian Slanton, uh, Republican in Texas. Hosting a drag show where kids were invited on stage, tipped performers in front of a neon sign bearing an obscene message. Outside the club, protesters gathered to complain that the event was grooming children. Why do children have to be involved in this? Hey, man, you want to go to a drag show at a club? Go to a drag show at a club. Who cares? I don't care. But somebody explain to me, and I can be called any name you want. I'm just asking for an answer. I'm legitimately asking for an answer. Why do children have to be involved in this? What's the end game? You know, I'll listen. I'll, I'll listen. Hey, can I drive a car? No, you're five. Can I have a beer? No, you're five. Can I have a cigarette? No, you're five. Can I take hormones and change my gender? Of course, you know what's best. That's from Kevin Sorbo on Twitter. That's so good. That is so good. Can I drive your car? No, you're five, you idiot. What are you doing? Can I have a beer? No, you're five. Uh, Can I take hormones and change my sex? Yeah, you know best. That's the world we're living in. Can somebody please explain to me what in the hell that is about? Five years old. And people can come all over them. People can absolutely come at them and come at me and anything you want. Anything you'd like. I'll take whatever you'd like. I'll take whatever heat you'd like. But at some point, somebody has to say, why are we involving children in this? Like, what do y'all, that, that, like, I, I'm not saying you all, but can't we ask people, like, all right, why we got to have kids in this? Well, we're introducing, why are we introducing them to sex? Why are we introducing them to throwing rocks? You know, I was talking to my mother the other day. My mother was a longtime teacher, Gary, Indiana, and she brought it up. She goes, what are we doing? She goes, the last thing I wanted to do in this world is teach a kid about his sex. She was a third grade teacher, 49 years. She goes, I wanted to teach him reading, writing, arithmetic, how to be polite, how to get along with others. But yet somehow, some way, we got to teach kids about sex. And I don't care if I lose every listener on this show. I really don't. And I say it before and I'll say it again and I will not stop saying it. We have zero standards. I'm watching a guy again right now, C.J. McCollum on ESPN. Okay. ESPN used to tell you, hey, man, lean forward. Get this out of your soul. Now ESPN's so afraid. Yeah, well, you know, I think that if you don't want to be there, I don't want to watch. 
I don't get it. I mean, every and my point with ESPN is in every area, we just don't have any standards anymore. And I, I'll never get it. I, ne- I will never understand that even a little bit. And I'm going to keep talking about it, and it may blank some of you off, and I honestly don't care. Idaho State, ladies and gentlemen, Idaho State is where my father went and played basketball. My uncle, my godfather, went and played basketball. Idaho State is in Pocatello, Idaho, and I want to make sure I get this right because this is a very disturbing story. Idaho State, the reason guys went from Gary, Indiana, Idaho State, is a man named Buzz Connor was the basketball coach. And Buzz Connor was from Gary, Indiana. And true story, there was a train, the South Shore, not the South Shore, but there was a train that went from Chicago, Gary, Indiana, to Pocatello, Idaho. So my dad went out there. My Uncle Roy went out there. Terry Chikoloff went out there. Johnny Kobza, who, is, who was my godfather, went out there. They all went out there. Idaho State football is about as inconsequential Division I football team as you're ever going to find. So why am I talking about Idaho State football? Why am I even talking about Idaho State? Well, I'm going to tell you. An Idaho State assistant football coach was arrested on a murder charge. Now, let's understand. First-degree murder. guy's name was Devontae Neal. He was arrested in Pocatello, Idaho. Maricopa, Arizona is a county. Uh, The sheriff's office there had a warrant that included charges of first-degree murder, drive-by shooting, discharge of a firearm at a structure. The arrest arrest by the police in Pocatello occurred outside Neal's apartment. He's in uh, jail pending extradition. This dude played football at Arizona and Notre Dame. He was hired by Idaho State after never having coached. The coach at Idaho State, Charlie Regal, coached this guy, all right? There's really no further details on this. And everyone's saying everybody's going to cooperate, all that kind of stuff, all right? The shooting, though, it happened in a busy, busy commercial area alongside Interstate 10, eight miles south of the airport. Apparently, it was a drive-by shooting. So you're going to hire a guy that's never coached. Again, we have no standards. We got no standards. I coached this guy when he was in junior college. Ah, hire him. So this is a guy, you know what you're going to hear from people. You always hear this from coaches. Coaches that are cheating. I always say Division One football coaches are the best. They put on their jacket and tie on Monday. It's game week. We're men. All the while, they're trying to get 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-olds to switch their commitment. But I digress. So this guy, Neil, apparently is in jail, innocent until proven guilty. Let's make sure we say that. But I don't think I've seen this. Uh, Dave Bliss, the coach at Baylor, tried to cover up a murder on his own team. But I'm not sure, and maybe I'm wrong about this. You can correct me, please, anybody. But I'm not sure where I've ever seen an active football coach or basketball coach or baseball coach, I suppose. I'm sure there have been that have been arrested while they were on the job for murder. Now, maybe there's somebody that after they left the profession, maybe they got charged with murder. But I got to tell you, I've never seen this. So Devontae Neal, Idaho State football coach, arrested for murder in an apparent drive-by in a commercial area. That would be the shooting at a structure. I don't know if he shot through a window. I don't know. We're going to find out. This is a pretty big story. Like... Holy cow. 
you know, this guy was hired to go on a university and he's capable of murder. I got to believe it's hard to be capable of murder. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I, I know two murderers in my life, people that have commit murder. Uh, both, I would say, probably we knew. One guy I didn't really know, but we all knew he was capable. The other guy we kind of knew. But this dude's a football coach. Hey, uh, coach, try to hire somebody that doesn't get arrested for murder. But again, innocent until proven guilty. But if you don't think that's something about today and stupidity, I don't know what in the hell to tell you. All right, we've talked a lot about golf today, right? We've talked a lot about the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour, and here goes Dustin Johnson for $125 million, and here goes lefty uh, Phil Mickelson for $200 million. It's a lot of green, baby. All right, but there's other guys involved. There's a guy named Kevin Na. Kevin Na is a professional golfer. By all accounts, Kevin Na is a very uh, okay golfer, right? I mean, he's not great, but if you watch the PGA Tour, Kevin Na is around it. He's sniffing it. He's a guy that is, I don't know, um, he's on a leaderboard. He's good enough. Not great. Grayson Murray is on the tour. Grayson Murray is a guy that has battled a lot of things in his career. And for whatever the reason, Kevin Na and Grayson Murray have a beef. They got a Twitter beef. So Kevin Na announces, hey, look, I'm headed to the LIV tour. It's a very difficult decision. I hope my fans will continue to support me wherever I choose to play. Your family will support you. But, hey, look, Kevin, now we love you, but ain't nobody supporting you. Grayson Murray, who is apparently has fought a ton of demons, uh, has had all kind of issues. But, hey, he's on the tour. He's overcoming them. So Grayson Allen, um, oh, I'm sorry, Grayson Murray, takes time to quote tweet Nas' resignation from the PGA Tour by saying, like I said on the range in Mexico, you won't be missed. At Kevin now, you won't be missed. At PGA Tour, our rounds just got 20 minutes faster. See, now that's a tweet I can get behind because anybody that has ever played golf with me understands I have two rules. Play good. Play fast. Play bad. Play faster. That's it. Even on the PGA Tour, dudes are like, hey, man, play fast. So now and Murray have a little bit of history. I'll read it to you. In January, Sony Open in Hawaii, now was walking in putts. Apparently, he walks in putts. It's a signature trait. So Chantel McBee, who is on Sirius XM Radio, says... Kevin Na walking in putts does not get old. Murray, who wasn't eligible to play that week, said, Kevin Na taking three minutes to putt them does get old. So Na replied, you missing the cut is getting old. That's to Murray. Now, in Murray's defense, he's dealt with alcohol, anxiety, all this kind of stuff. All right? It ends up that Murray uh, and uh, 
not confronted Murray. They got in the driving range. I told him if he's gonna, if he goes and plays in the Saudi league, no one's gonna miss him on this tour. And then Grayson Murray felt bad about it. He said, eh, I don't want to be a bully. I apologize to Kevin now. I'd be doing the exact same thing as if I were him. Also, for anyone who says I suck at golf, y'all are wrong. Well, Murray's ranked 524th, and I'm not gonna lie. 524th in the world ain't bad. It ain't bad. Hey, look, I don't know, but I like it. You know I like me some spats. Golf spats are the best. Wouldn't it be great? Like, I don't want to go ahead like the Idaho State football coach and get charged with murder or anything like that. But wouldn't it be great if all of a sudden, you know, here we go, on the driving range, Bob Barker, Happy Gilmore style, they're just throwing hands, man. They're just throwing hands. What are you doing today? Throwing hands with Kevin Na. Why are you throwing hands with Kevin Na? Ah, he dissed me. Okay. So you got the guys in the Sansabelt slacks. They got, you know, I'm wearing a shirt with no logos right here. They got logos here, 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 and here. And they're just throwing it. They're just going at it. I think it'd be awesome. I support it. I do. I support it. What's not to support? I think you all would too. I think it'd make the tour more interesting. You know how at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, I don't know if they still do it because let's be honest, the world has gotten so ridiculous. But at Notre Dame, they used to have something called the Bengal Bouts, which is you could fight in boxing matches as a student. Like you want to play, you want to box? Train for the Bengal Bouts. You know, a bunch of dudes that played Football used to be in the Bengal bouts. So, I, well, they should have a Bengal bouts for golfers. Like, let's square up. All the golfers in the world, let's just square up and see what we can do. Yeah. I'm going to have tomorrow for you, I'm going to have who's going to win the tournament or who's going to win the game tomorrow night. I'm going to have who is going to win the freaking basketball game. And I'm going to do some research on it. So tomorrow's show is going to be loaded with research. Right now the Celtics are three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And Golden State obviously is a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I don't know, man. Golden State getting points is pretty damn good. Um, I'm going to give you a game today. I'm going to give you a game today that, you know what, it starts at 310. El Presidente, I think you're going to like this game. It's the first game of a doubleheader. It's in Cleveland. The Guardians are taking on the Rangers. Now, to me, the Guardians and the Rangers is an inconsequential game. But Cal Quantrill, whose dad was a pretty good pitcher, is pitching for the Guardians. And Cal Quantrill is supposed to be the next big thing. Or at one point, he was supposed to be the next big thing. Now, I don't know whether Cal Cal Quantrill's any good or not. But I do know this. When you're supposed to be the next big thing, then at some point you become pretty good. Cal Quantrill right now, let me go through this with you. Cal Quantrill's a big old dude, man. Paul Quantrill's his dad, just so that you know. And again, I'm a rare guy that actually looks at ERAs, but his ERA is only 3.52. The dude will go six or seven innings for you. In fact, I was looking at this, two, four, seven last starts, he's gone six innings or more. He's at home. It's game one of a doubleheader. I'm all in on Cal Quantrill. You know, he strikes out about a batter an inning. 
He gives up some hits. That's fine. But I'm mad at Cal Quantrill. I'm going to bet the pitcher in this one. Now, here's the problem with betting the pitcher. When you bet the pitcher, you know how many innings you get out of a freaking pitcher? You get six innings. Don't get me started on this because I will get started on this. Back in the day, and I've said this many times, you sat at home and you went, oh, man, Fergie's pitching today. Ferguson Jenkins. What did that mean? Well, you know what that meant? That meant you might go to the Cubs game, and that meant you might go watch Ferguson Jenkins pitch nine innings, a complete game. It didn't mean you were hoping to see Cal Quantrill get six innings out of himself. No. I don't want Cal Quantrill Quantrill to get just six innings. I want the dude to go eight or nine innings, but they don't. So you know what happens when you bet baseball? And this is the hardest thing in baseball. When you bet baseball, the number one thing that you're betting is a bullpen, and that stinks. Absolutely stinks. Now, back in the day, you bet the bullpen, but the bullpen got going around the eighth. The bullpen got going basically when you were like, all right, the pitcher's gone seven. We got the eighth inning. We got, I don't know, you name the guy, John Wetland. And then we got Mariano Rivera. That's what we got in baseball. But now the damn, I don't even know. Now all we got is, hey, man, if you go five innings, then we'll get in our bullpen. Now you got to get through a bunch of guys that are middle relievers, and I don't like it. I don't like it even a little bit. I won't stand for it. But I'm going to bet the Guardians today because I like El Presidente Sean Black. I don't recommend betting the Guardians. The Guardians stink. And the Guardians stink because they got a name that stinks. Hey, look, I get it. Everybody's offended. But aren't we... Last thing, and I'm diverting here. Aren't we a little tired of all the offended? Aren't we? You know, Sarah Spain, get offended. You got to call your names. And don't tell me you don't get offended when you call somebody a bigot. You obviously are offended to call somebody a name. We get so offended. Like, who would actually be on our televisions if they weren't offended? Like, I think that entire NBA countdown crew wouldn't be on our TV. Charles would be. He don't get offended. Kenny don't get offended. Ernie don't get offended. Shaq gets offended. Shaq's a little insecure. But that's all right. He's a perfect buffer. And I think I'm going to rail on this every day. Like, when people say to me, well, you know, uh, I got offended by that, I say, I don't care. That you've won. You've wore me out. I legitimately don't care about anybody looking at this right now They're being offended by anything. I don't. Oh, you offended me. Good, top. Uh, Sack up. Grow a pair. Do whatever. You know what I mean? Todd uh, Todd Duell loves it. Bengal bouts for golfers. They should have it. If you're going to beef, let's get in the ring. Let's get in the ring. Now I got guys arguing about who's a racist. I'm not a racist. You're a racist. Who's a racist? Eh, Just put it. Everybody is. Everybody is and everybody's to get offended by every damn thing. Don't at me. It's the best show you're ever going to see because we're not afraid. Tell your friends. Hey, Sean Black, right now, go to my Twitter page and retweet this show. We're starting to... Yeah, we are. Tomorrow we'll have Damon Bruce. He's one of my favorite guests. 
He covers the Warriors for WKNR in San Francisco. He's the most popular radio host in San Francisco. If he tells you about it, probably going to happen. He roots for the Warriors, but I ain't mad at him. He's a realist. He's like me and Indy. People get mad at him because he tells you the truth. So we got that tomorrow. Thanks to everybody. Dylan, great work. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back and better than ever, as Mike Greenberg says. But I enjoyed today. Today was fun. I tried to see what would happen if we didn't have a guest. I don't know that a guest makes any difference. You guys like to hear this bald guy spew. But we are working on Herschel Walker and others, Tommy Lauren. We're working on, I'm trying to get Clay on today. We're going to keep working, keep getting you the best guests, keep getting you the best opinions, the best insight that we possibly can. And I thank all of you for watching, all of you for tweeting, all of you for listening. Thank you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Doc Itch, O-U-T, out.